tough, tough, tough situation last night in Cincinnati for Monday Night Football. We'll have to uh, peel away a couple of uh, layers of the onion here and talk about it. It's you know it's huge news, and you hope the best uh, of everyone involved. From Demar Hamlin, who very incredibly tough uh, to watch unfold there in Cincinnati as uh, he got hit. It didn't look like that, you know, egregious of a hit or anything. You see that, you know, constantly uh, in each and every game in the NFL. Uh, but something happened where his heart stopped. He had a cardiac arrest and uh, CPR on the field for, what, ten, nine, ten minutes, Rowdy? Uh, they en- ended up getting him to the hospital where he is uh, on life support. He is in critical condition. And it's um, it's tough. Also, you got to wonder how T. Higgins is doing, the guy that, you know, put the hit. Yeah, the last thing I saw wasn't was, a nefarious hit, but. was like his marketing or agent type guy. Yeah. And he was saying last night, pretty late at night, that uh, he was intubated. Yeah. And his, they, they, he was no longer, uh, or what, would it, what was it? It was, um, was he, like he was a, intubated and. Was he in a medically induced coma? They, they, yeah, they, they put him to sleep. He was doing better and they got his vitals back. Yeah. But, yeah, he was still in pretty tough shape. A very scary situation, uh, that's for sure, last night. As it, you know, it's, it's hard not to, to watch. Like, part of you doesn't want to watch. The other part wants to know what's happening and get information and see if everyone's okay and you know, how the parties are doing. Well, it was a – I've never, ever, ever – and we watch a lot of football games. I know everyone listening out there does as well. I have never once, ever, seen anything like that happen, ever. Uh, to see the Bills down on you know their knees praying and – uh, the Bengals doing the same thing, and the ambulance coming out there, and the guy getting CPR is 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 very jarring uh, experience. Well, as very the jarring viewer, viewer, as the viewer that's not right there, right there, mm-hmm. like you don't really know what's going on. You know something bad has happened, but you don't know exactly what's going on. Yeah. But uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit off air. RJ was talking about how he, you know, he he won a parlay on some of his college football games, and he was talking about uh, the Purdue LSU game. And I asked him if he watched it because that was a game that I watched pretty closely. And there was a player for Purdue that went up to catch a football, yeah, and he came down awkwardly and hit his head and neck, and he was like unresponsive, couldn't move. You know, players from both teams kind of circle around. They have the medical staff. They had to make sure they they supported his neck. They got his helmet off. They yeah. got him up on the stretcher and they got him in. All those players were down on knees. They could you could clearly see that they that their teammate and friend was down and injured, mm-hmm. but it was different. Like this was a guy that had a neck injury. Who knows what happens, you know, after this. Yeah. Because we've seen guys in football become paralyzed from oh, hits and from falls. Yeah. And, but he's going to survive. The guy is moving his hands a little bit. Yeah. He gives him the thumbs up, but it was bad. Yeah. Then you fast forward to this, this is... Sunday night. You're seeing, like, I had to stop Monday. the TV and rewind, and I'm like, what was uh, Sean McDermott just saying right there? Because you could see he was he was mouthing something. His eyes were watery. Yeah. He was saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. They clipped to Josh Allen. And he's, he's literally crying. the same thing, saying, what the hell? Oh and you God. see some other players that are out there. And they're all in the circle. Teary-eyed and, yeah. and, like, what is going on? Like, they're literally seeing their teammate die in front of them and yeah. have to have CPR and get shocked back. Yeah, it's absolutely wild, uh, everything that like happened. That, that was the worst injury I think yeah, hands down. anyone has ever seen, and it for being on national TV, because almost all these games are televised. Well, a huge, it was a huge game as well. Well, think think of some of the, the bigger injuries that you've seen that are brutal. Like, what was it, uh, the Rutgers player, was it Eric Legrand, yeah. who had his neck broken yeah. and was on, like, that's scary things. The, the guy was awake and, and somewhat moving or blinking. Yeah, yeah. You can, like, the, like this guy you can was, communicate some way in shape yeah, or form. This, this guy was, like... You, you, you need CPR. Yeah, major heart issue. Yeah, it's it's he went into cardiac arrest. And they saw it right in front of him. And, and a lot of people got online to immediately start calling the NFL the devil and, you know, how egregious they are. They, they initially did get five minutes to kind of reconvene, and then... Uh, 
if I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, all the reports were coming out last night that five minutes and they wanted to bring play back up again. I don't think that was the NFL. As we talk about Roger Goodell being kind of just kind of a POS, they're not completely heartless individuals. I think they're probably were running as fast as they could to get all the information they could to see what could happen. And they made the right decision at the end of the day. They suspended the game. Like, well, I would say that if you were, if, if someone died on the field or died in any place of work or wherever you were, you're not going to go back and do what you were doing. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. I think if you were a betting man or woman, you would have put a lot of money, especially seeing how those players were reacting yeah. and what was ensuing on the field that that game wasn't going to be played. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to be able to, even do anything after witnessing something tragic like that. And then, you know, so the NFL made the right decision, suspended. I don't, you know, suspend the game, then figure it out afterwards of how you're going to do it. Because obviously it's a big game, like when it comes to the game of football. But for life, obviously you have to suspend it and then reevaluate uh, moving forward. But then you look at this. <laughs> there's, a, there's a good thing out of this that I'll get to, but right now the bad thing. Skip Bayless is not the most tone-deaf idiot, I think. No, no, he's obviously a guy that's very uh, polarizing. You either like, love his shtick or you really hate him. I think more people hate him. He goes out last night and tweets this, and I, I don't really understand the point of tweeting it. He says, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is so crucial to the regular season outcome, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. Talk about tone deaf. A guy literally, you know, possibly died and was brought back to life on the field. What, so you're going to already well, go, well, we need to play this game. It's, not, it's, it's terrible. I mean, what I think happened there is we know that Skip Bayless has a shtick. We know that uh, the first take between him and Stephen A. back in the day a decade ago, yeah. like that was a show based on each of them having their own shtick and screaming at each other. Mm-hmm. And it was actually quite comical and people wanted to watch it. Was it was very entertaining. I think what happened here is that in a life or death situation, the stick just went a little too far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Completely. And like he knew that that's his stick, but he took it a little too far. Like, and you don't have to tweet sometimes, you know, like if I'm if I'm being honest, did I want the game to play if it was a perfect world? Yeah, that was a game with huge implications on what team was going to get what seed between the Chiefs, the Bills, and the the Bengals. Would that have made a lot easier bets coming up for the next week for gamblers and everything like that? 100%. But did I ever think that the game was actually going to play after that when you see the two teams and everything? There's no that way. It, there was no way that they were going to play. Skip Bayless, I mean, this tweet's still up. You know, I actually give him credit for not deleting it. Stand by your dumbassery. So everyone can see how big of an idiot you are, uh, but the uh, the replies to Skip Bayless are absolutely you know anyone and everyone in every walk of life from professional sports to actors to regular Joe Schmoes are like you're an idiot. Dude. Well, like think like, about you're an idiot. what that game means to the Bills. If the Bills win that game, say say this incident never happens and the Bills win, they all of a sudden are tied with the Chiefs atop the AFC and they own the tiebreaker because they beat the Chiefs. They're the one seed if the season ended. If they lose to Cincinnati, they're the three seed. That's that's a huge implication for the team that had the player that was down. Mm-hmm. And they, they didn't want to play. Since it, uh, did you hear the reports about how so officially they were given five minutes yeah, to, just said that, to yeah. warm up, yeah. but then Zach Taylor, the opposing coach for the Cincinnati Looks Bengals, is like, hey, you know, He's like, we're not ran doing across this. the field we're not doing this. and goes, like, what are we doing here? Like, this is up to you to the coach, Sean McDermott for Buffalo. He's like, we're not going to play if you guys can't play. Yeah, that's a like, great thing. He could have been, he could have been a dickhead and said, well, you have five minutes. We're here playing. Yeah, there's we're, no we're way. standing here. There's no way. They, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the coaches, conven- they met with each other and said, what do we do here? And the right decision was made despite of how. You know, the NFL, it's all about making money, right? It's all about, you know, getting out there and seeing what they can do to put out you know, the product on the TV. But the right decision was made. You cancel, you spend the game, and you figure it out later. Someone literally just di- possibly died on the field and was brought back to life. It's one of the craziest, not the craziest injury um, that I've ever seen on a football field. It's not- yeah, I, I when they talk about this being a part of football and, you know, the scary things, Yeah. I don't think we've ever actually seen this 
close of near death. Like, do you remember uh, like a lot of the worst things that in the 25 year plus viewing NFL football, like the worst thing you've seen are like broken necks where a guy's all of a sudden becomes paralyzed. And I mean, what that's happened maybe a few times times, in 25 years. Like, that's the craziest thing. You know, you hear about some of the guys like 100 years ago that died back before they had the equipment that we currently have or the pads that they currently have, and it would be like a shot to the a certain organ where it would be like internal bleeding yeah, yeah. and the medicals are way better now. Yeah. You haven't seen people legitly die like that for like 180 years because of the advances in equipment, technology, health, everything like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is something that the NFL has not seen yeah. in a Very long scary. time. Now, uh, you know, the, the more Hamlin, this, the bill's safety was, you know, um, in critical condition on life support. Uh, now, when I say this, something good came out of it, take it with a grain of salt here, uh, he does have a charity that is up, and his initial goal was $2,500 for his charity. I mean, he wasn't a big name. No one, you know, it was a, he's now has a GoFundMe raiser. Uh, they started in 2020 to raise money to purchase toys for children. Again, $2,500 he wanted. It is now topped over $3 million. So a lot of people pouring in money to show their support. Uh, for you know the Buffalo Bills player. Got so. a couple things for you. First one, research department dug up the only player to die was on a, an NFL Lion, field. Detroit Lions player, wasn't it? And it was in 1971. It is the only confirmed player to have died on the NFL field. Charles Hughes. I thought there was a Lions 71. That may have as well, but um, don't quote me on that. Yeah, it's crazy. Any but other- uh, the, the second part was you were talking about how he had charities for the toy drives. Yeah. He was a guy that by all accounts from because Pat Narduzzi, the, the coach for Pitt, was tweeting about it when they had the ESPN coverage and everything. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that even at Pitt coming from a uh, like a lesser neighborhood and a lesser uh, well-to-do family. Yeah. He was doing these type of toy drives and food drives since he was at Pitt when he still wasn't anybody. Yeah. And this is just who he was. Yeah. Yeah. So we hope the best and you know, thoughts and prayers. And I guess that's probably why they say that, uh, what, what is the saying? God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. Yeah. Because, I mean, for a guy to do all that stuff when he wasn't even... He wasn't even a rich NFL player. No, he just wanted to give. He back. He was just a you know? yeah. Guy he wanted at, to give back to his community. He stayed at Pitt too. He was he wanted he was recruited in college from all kinds of big time schools. He wanted to stay at Pitt and, and uh, play for his team. Then fast forward a couple of years in the NFL, and this is what happens to him. Yeah, uh, phone lines have uh, are jam packed, so let's get to him. We'll go in order. Line one. Good morning. What's up, boys? Hey, Polly. Um. Yeah, that was I was watching last night when that happened, and I and I feel for that kid and his family and all those guys. Tough. Um, it, it 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 reminded me of um, it was I think 2012. Fabrice Mwamba um, played for Bolton Wanderers. It was an FA Cup game against Tottenham, and he he had the same thing. Like he just dropped, and like luckily there was a doctor at the game, and they went out and. His heart stopped for like 78 minutes. Wow. And he's alive today. He can't play soccer anymore. It was the same thing with Christian Erickson just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Did you say uh, 78 minutes? 78 minutes. That's pretty wild. My Lord. Yeah. And he's still alive. I mean, they, they, they did, they were, they had the uh, AEDs out there. They were shocking him and everything. And like, yeah, he did not respond I, to 15. Yeah. Wow. There it is. Crazy. I, I, I believe, um, you know, I I don't know how you finish that game, but yeah, I mean, yeah, man, you can't. There's no way. You know, like they, they, you could see something was wrong. I was like, did he? Because I saw, I when I was younger, my aunt's dog got off his chain and was running, and he tried to bite a car tire, and and uh, spun it right around, and then the lady stopped. She's like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hit your dog. And the dog was running back towards me. I'm like, well, he seems to be fine. You're good to go. She got in her car, drove off, and the dog just did a face plant. Like, 
it broke his neck, didn't even know. And that's kind of what I thought happened. I was like, holy crap. Like, it didn't seem like a big hit or anything. But I, I thought, man, he must have done something to his spine or his neck. Yeah, but I, yeah I, sad. Crazy, man. Un- Crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. But uh, welcome back, Rowdy and RJ. Yep. I got to say, uh, I don't know how I get through the day without you guys. <laughs> well, we love you too, man. Seriously, like, uh, I mean, I hope I go before you guys because I can't listen to regular sports talk radio anymore. <laughs> well, we love you too, Paulie. <laughs> Uh, we were talking a little Wisconsin football's Luke Fickle era is uh, about to uh, explode onto the scene here coming up uh, once we get back on the field. College football not over yet. How amazing was Saturday's games for the college football playoffs? Were those some of the best games that you guys think I've, I've ever seen? They were very entertaining. I saw a lot of Dumbos talking about how Dumbos? Yeah. the Big Ten is overrated. Doesn't belong. Yep. Uh, we had a couple of Bill Collins um, yesterday about that. If you remember one, actually. way back, because some people, their memories don't work very well. If you remember way back to week one of college football, there were three teams that every expert, every college football fan had pegged as the three best teams in college football. Mm-hmm. Those teams were Alabama. Those teams were Ohio State. And that third team was Georgia. If you go back and you look at what all... Played out this year in college football. Alabama lost to two teams by less than seven points combined. Mm -hmm. One of them happened to be Tennessee, who at the time had Hendon Hooker, who was probably should have been in the Heisman race. Yes. Ohio State lost one game to Michigan, and they had a ton of injuries to a ton of really good players. And then there was Georgia, a team that for the most part was relatively healthy and took care of their business and went undefeated. Yep. I think that after watching the entire rest of the regular season, those top three teams probably are still the top three teams in college football. Yeah. Now, did they, <clears throat> like the Alabama who lost two games, necessarily deserve to be in the college football playoff, in my opinion? Probably not. Because Michigan, Michigan went undefeated. They beat Ohio State. Yeah. Right. They beat Ohio State at Ohio State. Michigan, in my opinion, proved that they were a top four team. And I think that if you look at total ability and how they've played all year, I think out of those top three teams that I said from the beginning of the year, everyone had pegged as the best three teams. They're still in the top three. Yeah, I think Michigan's the fourth team. I I just think TCU's the fifth team. But guess what? They play it on the field for a reason. Mm-hmm. TCU found a way to beat Michigan. Michigan won J.J. McCarthy through, through too many pick sixes. Yeah. And two, <laughs> the great Michigan defense, they just couldn't get a stop when they needed to. Nope. Yeah. And it was a great football game. It was an incredible watch. And, and I still think that those five teams, Alabama... Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, and TCU were clearly the five best teams in football this year. Mm-hmm. And Alabama beat the hell out of Kansas State and did not get in. Ohio State was the team they elected to put in fourth. Ohio State led that game Should've for won. everything but 50-plus seconds in the first half and for every single minute except for 50-plus seconds in the second half. And it just so happened that... Georgia came back and scored a touchdown at the very end of that game. And then Ohio State's good kicker Did you see that? missed the kick oh and looked gosh. awful. That was terrible. Life. He's a good kicker, though. Yeah. What kick was that? Well, and I love, the people, I love the people who are like, oh, that's why you can't trust him for a 50-yard. I'm like, he made a 48 that same game. That field, that was a terrible. The, the field yeah, goal kicker, not... though, what is it? No, no, what is it? Nuggle? No. no, yeah, no something no, like that. not going to kick here anymore? He's a really good kicker. Yeah. Go back and he look what he did all year. He just felt Shoot. the pressure and he missed the kick when he needed it the most. But he was a really good kicker all year. And let's not forget, Ohio State, arguably they're, it's a guy that's going to be a, probably a first-round pick, if not a second-round pick, yeah. did not play in that game in Jackson and Jigba. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he didn't, that's one of the better receivers on their team. Marvin Harrison got hit with a targeting, and I hate targeting, but if there is a targeting, he one. got targeted that was and got knocked out of the game. He's also one of the best receivers 
in college football. He's not playing in the second half. Your best running back for Ohio State was not playing in that game. Your your second stringer was beat to hell but played. Your third stringer did not play in that game. Uh, we're talking about some big-time talented guys that are going to be in the NFL for Ohio State that weren't even available or knocked out in that game. Yet, they still probably should have won. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, I didn't get an update because I haven't seen it. I've been gone. Do these dum-dums still want to fire Ryan Day? Because yeah. he should have just beat the they, best team in college football. They still do. Because he lost. They, they, I, I, I saw some of it on Twitter, but it was like, see, this is why I need to fire Ryan Day. He literally took a team that had big-time NFL, future NFL players and, and picks missing from it, and he went toe-to-toe with the best team in college football all season long yeah. that was healthier than him. Yeah. yeah. The, the two games incredible. <laughs> they still want to fire Ryan Day, Rowdy. You're not missing anything. There's still dum-dums out there. And I'm, I'm, I'm still, like, my memory still is saying that those same dum-dums were screaming for Michigan to fire Jim Harbaugh because he lost to Ohio State six times in a row, right? Yeah. Well, we're gonna get Harbaugh the... wasn't that good of a coach. Yeah, well, that that's a... <laughs> You don't understand we're, that rivalry. We're going to get to Jim Harbaugh next segment because oh. the news out there, uh, he is uh, liking to go to the NFL now. So we'll get, we'll get to Jim Harbaugh Real next quick, segment. Real quick, though, to tie a bow on the Ryan Day thing. If they fire Ryan Day and they go and, and Luke Fickle takes – we'll say they say Ryan Day – Luke Fickle used Wisconsin the next stepping stone two for one years, year. The next two years, he, he fumbles the ball again against Michigan, and now they've lost, you know, what is it, four or five years in a row to Michigan – if they fire Ryan Day then, but he continues to cook up like eleven and one seasons or, you know, eleven and two or twelve and ones but losing. This. If they fired Ryan Day, Wisconsin better hire his ass so fast once oh, yeah. pickle yeah. leaves. I'd flip for that. <laughs> I'd flip for that. Okay. Yeah. I'd make or just go just go hire Brian Hartline. <laughs> <laughs> like if they seriously fire Ryan Day. And Luke Fickle takes the job at Ohio State. Go get day. You go hire day in a heartbeat. And guess what? You had a top fifteen coach. You still got a top fifteen yeah. coach. Yeah. And, and now the, Noah Ruggles. Yeah, the, Ruggles. The He's a good kicker. Look yeah. at what he did all year. Yeah. He just he felt the pressure in that moment. Uh, when he missed that, did you guys see the synced up video? When he missed the kick, is the exact moment the ball dropped at midnight as well. Oh, they were talking oh, about really? it on yeah. the, At the on exact the broadcast. moment. Because Herbie was on the broadcast. He's going, hey, we're about 30 seconds yeah. to midnight here. This could be the start to a new year for a team. As he missed the <laughs> kick, literally as it sails, <laughs> not even near the goal yeah, post, the ball hits the bottom and Did you guys see some of the meme videos of the kid from the Michigan-Michigan State game where yeah. he had the opportunity to kick for like a, to pay for his his college yes. and he goes out there to kick it and he like trips before he gets to kick it and he kicks it like oh, no. and they're like here is a here is a Ruggles uh, kick <laughs> opportunity oh. yeah it was it was kind of funny but also you feel bad uh, speaking of great videos that were synced up at that time Ebo yeah. uh, one of our listeners Scotty Dog is a big Ohio Scotty State guy Dog. I had videos of uh, Snapchat videos of him down on a knee oh, watching no. that uh, in in Devastating fashion. Scotty Dog, one of our one of our great fashion. listeners, great friend, Scotty Dog, literally was on his knees crying as twenty twenty three began. Oh, I, Scotty Dog, it can only go up from here for I'm, you, buddy. You know, fingers crossed. I don't want to just to rub it in, but I did get that Snapchat. I woke up and um, I did chuckle to myself a little Scotty bit. Scotty Dog reports out there that. Jim Harbaugh could be sniffing around the NFL. There are some spots. Open. I think I read that the Denver Broncos were already knocking on the door for one Jim Harbaugh. So let me ask you guys this. Michigan has now lost straight six, uh, six straight bowl games. Excuse me. The Orange Bowl 2016, the Outback Bowl 2017, the Peach Bowl 2018, the Citrus Bowl 2019, the Orange Bowl 2021, and the Fiesta Bowl 2022. Mm. Now what? Michigan and Jim Harbaugh have to do is figure out a way to spin this and say they haven't lost a bowl game that they really cared about that much. He doesn't coach in the SEC. Yeah, he's got to spin it like he's the SEC because I don't (laughs) know if you guys were watching the bowl season because they have that little Aflac like conference, you know, conference uh, bowl championship, whichever conference has the best record. I don't know if you guys pay attention, but 
pretty much the last five to ten years, the SEC finishes towards the bottom, but they only they lose bowl care. games that they don't care about. They yeah. do not care. So on the Jim Harbaugh front, I mean, do we think he's going to the NFL coming up here, or is he going to be that Michigan man that he is? Carry the torch. I think it would be better for him to stay because I think we've seen in the NFL his shtick only lasts so far before he starts upsetting ownership. <laughs> um, whereas I think at Michigan, I think it's a place, especially college, um, even at Stanford, uh, he stayed a while and they had success and it was the NFL ambition. Now, he was a good coach at the NFL. I just think you get to a point in the NFL, men are get tired of your rah-rah stuff. Sure. Um, and like, I don't think a PJ flat could work in the NFL. Well, here's no. the deal. <laughs> I agree with RJ. I think that his shtick, who he is, is best suited for kids that are going to be there three to five years. Yeah. Now, again, when you become a grown man that's 30 years old and you hear that every single year <laughs> for the past decade, it gets pretty long in the tooth. I agree with you on that. I think his his personality is best suited for college football, but it's not that he can't be a good NFL head coach. Right. We've seen him yeah, be yeah, a yeah. very good NFL head coach, but the other thing is we've seen him be a very good college coach. Mm-hmm. And honestly, he probably has the ability with NIL in all of this, but I think NIL is the big driver here. With NIL... The money that he is making in college to be a college head coach is probably greater than the money he can actually make in the NFL. Yeah, Yeah, he's making man money. But your job as a college head coach, I would argue now, has become, we'll say, busier than an NFL head coach because you have all the recruiting, because you have all the NIL deals and things where you got to go do mm -hmm. deals here with this person or you got to show your face over here with this person for the university. You have to be everything to everybody on that university. So you're busy 24-7, 365, where if you're a head coach in the NFL, you get some time off if you want it because guess what? You have a general manager and a scouting uh, department, which takes more of that than like your quote unquote recruiting department yeah. roles would, because you still have to be there if you're the college head coach. You can't just say, "Hey, I'm taking a couple months off." Like, uh, was it uh, Sean McVay that after they won the oh, Super Bowl, yeah, he's yeah. like, "I'm out of here for he's a bit." Like, hey, I'm going to Europe for see a couple ya. months. We'll see you guys. Yeah. But st- <laughs> like, you can actually do that in the NFL because he's not recruiting anyone. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, does he want that much work? Because it's a lot of work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it's he could take a little bit less and do a little less and still be good at what he does and still be coaching a football team. So I get it's like, hey, maybe he wants more money. He'll stay in college. Maybe he wants less work. Maybe he'll go to the NFL. I think he stays at Michigan. Don't they have their quarterback that they want too? Harbaugh well, does, and, and also they don't have Ohio State at home this coming year. Honestly, the guy took a pay cut heading into this season, or was it last season? Mm-hmm. But like, took a pay cut to be like, these aren't the results we want. Now, after what back to back, big time college, championships yeah, yeah. and college and, football, and football playoff, playoff back to back. I mean. You can, and they try to paint a picture like he's a bad coach because he's lost three, or I'm sorry, six bowl games now in a row. It's like right. you're in the college football playoffs. But much like Kirk Ferentz did at Iowa, you can parlay this into. I'm looking at the NFL, or at least your agent can say you're looking at the NFL. Get a pay increase this year because you did win back to back Big Ten championships. You did. Uh, eviscerate Ohio State in back-to-back years, which really is what matters uh, to Michigan before everything else. Because if you you beat Ohio State, you win the Big Ten usually. Um, And he can parlay that into a pay raise. Right now, he's making... uh, $1.5 million less than his brother. Will he he ever get it better than he has it right now? Well, that's the thing. I think that Jim Harbaugh... Could get a pay raise, so that could be better. (laughs) We already said it is best suited to coach in college football. Mm-hmm. Not that he can't be good at both of them, but he's best suited right. in college football. He can make more money. And like RJ just said, he took a, a pay cut because of the lack of performance 
by himself and the Michigan program against Ohio State and against what their standards were. Yeah, and I truly believe that Jim Harbaugh is a Michigan man, and I think his goal is to win a freaking national totally. title. Mm-hmm. And you look at that roster that they have coming back with J.J. McCarthy, this team's going to be damn good again next year. And you look at Ohio State with all the top talent that they're losing, now they're going to refunnel with a lot of top talent, but it's going to be younger talent. And you would have to imagine he thinks that they could be right back there next year, and I would probably agree with them. Mm-hmm. And, and no doubt NFL teams are coming knocking on his door. I mean, he is a good coach. And look, the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett. He's a dumpster fire. The Panthers got an opening. The the Saints have an yeah, opening. You're right? like, dumb not to come knock on his door and, and at yeah. least sniff up that tree. Of course. Yeah. All right. Yep. Well, then uh, another thing is that I wanted to say about Jim Harbaugh, I think he wants to legitly bring a national championship back to Michigan. Yep. And I think what we've noticed, because there's a lot of media perception around, well, basically everyone that uh, is in a limelight spot in sports, wasn't Jim Harbaugh was kind of the weird guy that was, you know, kind of like out there a little bit. And, he, and he's maybe rubbing blood under his yeah, eyes. And yeah, he's a little strange, and he's a little shirtless. Doing, doing allegories to great battles in world history. He maybe came out to the the wreck of the Evans Fitzgerald. Yeah, maybe his, he pushes the envelope on some up, of the yeah. things that he does with his programs. Like when he took him over to Europe, and he's like, "What are they doing here?" And like satellite camps. It's kind of like questioning yeah. this guy. He pissed and, off the SEC with the satellite, satellite camps. Yeah. Yeah. like some and, of the things. And the SEC got him banned. Yeah, because of Harbaugh. And did they not say you can't recruit like that? Did, yes, they, I can. did they not say that, oh, Jim Harbaugh is pushing the limits and maybe he's not that great of a guy and he's a little strange? Mm-hmm. They kind of painted him that way. Yeah. Well, think about this. We saw the behind the scenes for bowl games over the week and we saw Steve Sarkeesian freak oh, out on he went, he went nuts. And All because the dude was like, hey, wait yeah, for like, the we got to wait until he can... He moved forward wants, into the guy's hand, and the guy was like, no. Because he really wants a drink. That's Don't why. you effing touch me. <laughs> like that, that is uncalled for for anybody. Yeah, yeah. I know. I and like, then you see dude, the same down. exact thing happen with Harbaugh behind the scenes, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, he's like, oh, sorry. So sorry. was out of his mind. Yeah. It, it ah, just, give me a drink. I think what, you're, what people are starting to realize, and they should have known for a while, is Jim Harbaugh is a really good coach. Jim Harbaugh may have struggled because he's in a tougher position in Ohio State with the players he originally had. Yeah. The players that they recruit because Ohio State's in the top five consistently. Michigan is closer to a 10 to 20 type program consistently. So he's not getting as good of players as Ohio State does year in and year out. And he already had the lesser roster when he took over. Yeah. I think we're finally starting to see that he cracked the Ohio State code. Yeah. And he's kind of figured it out and and wants to bring that championship and that he's not some strange, maybe bad guy. He's actually a pretty decent guy that just has his own way of going about. He's quirky, Rowdy, quirky. Me personally, I've said this before, I could never play for P.J. Fleck. I think he's a used car salesman. I think he's a douche. I would run through a wall for Jim Harbaugh. There it is. Yeah. I absolutely have no idea what I would do for a Paul Chris because I've never met him in person. I know what you do, yeah. but I don't know. You'd have some chew with him. But behind the behind the walls, that's what I'm get saying. The impression you'd have you some chew like, with yeah. him. We hear two different things yeah. about Paul Chris. I've never actually met the man. I don't know. I'll never be on a recruiting trip with him. I don't know if I could play for Paul Chris. You'd- I know I could play for for Jim Harbaugh, and yeah. now I know I couldn't play for P.J. Fleck. You'd share some uh, Grizzly Wintergreen with Paul Chris. I, I could see that. Ah, uh, yes. The incredible sounds of greatest man to ever grace the stage, Neil Diamond. Where it began. The reason why I'm playing Neil Diamond, I know this individual is a big fan, as am I. Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show. Good morning, Grant Bills. But I know it's growing strong. Good morning, Evo. How are you? And uh, happy New Year. Happy New Year, Evo. Grant, the reason why I bring uh, or playing the song and bring this up in New Year's, mm-hmm. I was at the Sylvie for a little seventies gimme gimme disco night. It was called, and I kid you not, yeah. as I was leaving around twelve thirty, they were playing "Sweet Caroline." I immediately thought of you, and uh, oh. blew a little kiss in the air. Said Happy New Year, like out in the ether. And I took a video and said, I will send this to Grant Bills when I'm sober. And I did that, Grant. And then yesterday at the Rose Bowl, 
Penn State fans were singing Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline. I thought of you again. What do you think, buddy? I'm thinking about you all, well, t- all the time. Well, it's uh, Neil Diamond is a lot like the moon, Evo, because when the moon is out, you can look up at the moon and know that someone special to you somewhere else on planet Earth can also look up and see the same moon. And there's, there's something touching about that. And, and Neil Diamond is very similar. When Neil is playing, it, it, it's a great connector of people. You know, and I, I, by the way, I did see pictures of your uh, your New Year's experience at the Sylvie. That looks very fun. I spent my New Year's going out in the Wisconsin Dells, and I'd never done that before. Wow. Uh, I've, I've, I've done Madison. I've done Milwaukee. I've done Eau Claire. I'm from Menominee. I've obviously done La Crosse. I'd never done Wisconsin Dells before, and wow, let me tell you, uh, I did not know what I was in for. I still don't really know what I experienced, but it was, uh, it was, it was something. It was something. Where'd you go? Did you run into a guy named Z in the D? I did not run into Z in the D. A short little elf? At a bar called Mama's Garage. Oh, I've, about- I've been there. I've been there. I've been very inebriated oh, yeah. there. Oh, uh, yeah. At a bar stool at a time around 11.30, I bumped into none other than our friend Andrew Wagner. No (laughs) way! Way. What? (laughs) From (laughs) Forbes.com, covers the Milwaukee Brewers? And now you guys are good buddies. What? I, uh, and I was intoxicated to the point where I I was made uncomfortable. I, I didn't think it was him. I thought, why would he be here? So he lives in Milwaukee. Why, why would he be in the Dells? We both looked at each other from across the bar, and we went, that looks like Andrew. That, that looks like Brant. Nah. And then we went our opposite ways, and later that night, I was like, I can't get that out of my head. Wait. And I DM'd him. Wait. And it was him. You guys were at the same bar, didn't think it was one another, never said a word to each other, and then DM'd later to see if it was them, each other? This, this. Is not the Ben Kenny situation. This is way different than the Ben Kenny situation. Yeah, Ben Kenny knew you were at a bar, and Ben Kenny refused to walk down two flights of stairs to come see you. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. flight of stairs. Oh, well, look, you, you're going to put yourself in my shoes. I looked across the bar, and I'm like, why would he be? There's no way that's him. And I had had some drinks. I was also, Grant, if I like, remember correctly, Mama's Garage is a little more dimly lit. And it's, well, it's very small as well. Y- yeah, I mean, look, I. We, we went to a bar. The first place that we went to had a $25 cover. I could not believe what? it. I was what? like, where am I? Where am I? Am I in Las Vegas? Well, basically, I am. I'm in the Las Vegas of the Midwest. But I, I couldn't believe it. The Dells surprised me in so many ways well, this weekend. Well, here's the thing, Grant. Las Vegas-style's uh, only gentleman's club, uh, Silk Exotic, resides in Middleton outside of Madison. Did you happen to go to the log cabin that is cruising Chubby's? Uh, no, we were with uh, there was me and three other fellas. And uh, all of their girlfriends. Although girls can go wanted, to strip clubs too, it's fine. I know we wanted to go to a water park, and the girls wouldn't sign off on that. I, mm. We could have then transitioned to a strip club. Yeah, if you're not in, if, you, if they're not signing off on bikinis, they're probably not signing off on nudity. So. Give it fifty years, Grant. With global, with the the global climate change, it's going to be warm enough to where they can be in bikinis. Unfortunately, in fifty years, you're probably not going to want to see them in a bikini. <laughs> wow, Bobby, that, that's like that's a cold uh, hard truth. For 746 well, in the morning, but you're probably not wrong. Who, who, who knows? With modern medical advances and, and body sculpting, who knows, Grant? <laughs> hey, Grant, um, was that was that the big story you wanted to share with me? For like, Because that's an incredible story, if that's the one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, was, that was it. You and Andrew yeah. Wagner in a tiny bar, uh, dimly lit, though, and did not realize, well, wow, unbelievable. Grant. I've never met him in person. So I, I've never I met him in like person that. either. Just, you know, Grant, speaking of unbelievable. Yeah. From yeah. four to eight to now eight and eight. Control your own destiny. How are we feeling about the Green Bay Packers? I'm feeling amped up, and I again have to tip my cap for Rowdy because he said weeks ago if they went out, they're in the playoffs. And I, yes, I agreed with that. I just didn't think the Packers would win out. We thought that Miami was probably going to be the toughest game, and they cleared that hurdle. But they cleared that hurdle in. I don't want to say a fluky way, but Tua got concussed and the Packers were able to capitalize on some interceptions. Christmas miracle. This weekend was not a fluke. Evo, they, they showed up this weekend. The defense showed up. The special team showed up. The running game showed up ready to beat another team's ass. I mean, they, they came out, and that's why on my show yesterday, I gave Matt LeFleur a bunch of credit. I was like, he got his dudes fired up in the biggest mm-hmm. week of the season to come out and punch a divisional rival in the face in a game they had to win. That was as impressed as I've been with the Packers in well over a year. That, that was really cool. And, yeah, I'm, I'm back in. I didn't expect to be here because I didn't expect the Packers to be able to string wins together. But my, 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 look, look where we are now. Grant, I 100% agree with you because my line of thinking was 
the Packers are the biggest problem for themselves. They haven't been able to get out of their own way all season. So I think the hardest thing for what we need as Packer fans to happen is Green Bay winning out. And I circled Miami as the day where I thought it would, you know, kind of all go to hell. Yep. I, I felt from that Miami day on, I think if they would have won that game, they win out and they're in. If they lose, I think they actually would have lost out because then they would have been playing for draft picks. Grant. We're in a weird yeah. spot here. Grant. Grant. Yeah. Grant. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I guaranteed yeah. a Christmas miracle against the Dolphins. Grant. Yeah. When Take me through the range of emotion here. Because when I saw Jair Alexander gritty uh, Justin Jefferson, I immediately reverted to, oh, God, Jefferson's going to go off. Let's... Uh, yep. But what happened? One catch for 15 yards. He deleted his social media accounts. He got grittied on. Vikings lose. What happened to Grant Bills when you saw Jair Alexander hit the gritty? Okay, so I was watching at a bar in Wisconsin Dells because our Airbnb TV was on still, the fritz, so, still, so we went somewhere. Still the Dells. And, oh, and by the way, there was a sign on the table behind us that said reserved senator party, and I thought if Ron Johnson walks into this bar at any point, this is going to be the most unbelievable weekend ever. He did not. Damn. So I, I don't know what the senator business was about. But anyways, I'm watching at a bar. Keyshawn Nixon runs it out of the end zone, and as soon as he catches the ball and starts running, I go, no, and then he houses it, and everyone at the bar is looking at me. Okay, so that's my bad. Jair Alexander gritties on Jefferson, and I think we all were like, we, we're all, we all did that, Evo. We all felt that way. It would be like watching uh, a player do the belt in Aaron Rodgers' face. It just, and it we've seen that before, and Rodgers then just goes unconscious. Yeah, Um but I, I don't know. I, I heard, a, I believe it was a conversation with Zach Heilper and either you guys had or maybe Ben had on Friday. Uh, Zach makes so many great points. They all start to run together. But Zach said, you, you be around cornerbacks. They're the most confident people on earth. They are delusional. They are insane. <laughs> it, it, like in a, in a sports way, obviously, they're, they're nuts. And I think they feed off of plays like that. And weirdly, I think that early celebration and landing that early punch in that in that back and forth rivalry, Jair and, and Justin Jefferson, I think that juiced Jair up and that affected the rest of the defense. So what seemed like this kind of risky, maybe pointless celebration, I actually think played a really important role in the way the defense played on Sunday. Fire Joe Barry still, yes or no? We had a, oh. we had a poll yesterday. It was like over the 75% of people say, yeah, still fire him. I just I don't I don't love him. I don't think he's a great defensive coordinator. I think we could do better. I think his defense has played better in, in the last couple of weeks. I thought they had a great plan for Jefferson. I thought they had an awesome plan for Jefferson, but I don't know. This is what he did last year too. The defense started playing well down the stretch. So, so maybe he's a, a second half defensive coordinator, a late season defensive coordinator. Longer than second Grant, half. You're gonna have to refresh my NBA memory here, but I recall the Toronto Raptors were a pretty good team under Casey. And then they couldn't quite make it through and win a championship. And then they fired him and they brought in Nurse. And then they won a championship. I feel like if they don't make a change, if they can upgrade to a better defensive coordinator, they're just being dumb. That Raptors team also traded for Kawhi Leonard, but I I get your point. I really like Nick Nurse. I just don't love Joe Barry. I, I, I'm not inspired by Joe Barry. That's what I'm saying. Anyone, they, I don't they think anyone is. make a change. If, you, if they don't yeah. win a Super Bowl this year, you have to make a change. Well, well look. I, don't I, go. We'll, I, see, I, I, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We still, okay. got, yeah. we still got a game coming up here on Sunday. Two questions, Grant. We'll make it quick. Sure, sure, sure. Packers win Sunday. Lions. Sunday Night Football. Prime time. They're not. The Lions aren't winning this game. Come on. No. Are, you, are you kidding me? Are, you, are we new here? How many times have we seen this game? In in Lambeau, in Ford Field, one team's trying to make the playoffs, both teams are trying to make the playoffs. This is just another game in a long line of it, – it's the, the Packers Invitational in Week 18, and the Lions are invited every year, and every year they lose. So, no, the Packers are not losing this game. Love I might it. not even watch. I, I might spend right. my time more productively. Maybe go back to the Dells, invite Andrew Wagner, see what yeah. happens. And, Grant, <laughs> yeah. before I let you go, uh, Bucks are finishing off their back-to-back with the Wizards tonight. Do we know if Giannis, Chris Middleton, uh, Joe, Drew Holiday are going to be playing or not? Do you, have, do you know anything? Uh, no, Chris. Uh, I didn't see anything about Drew. Giannis was... Uh, participant in a light practice yesterday for what it's worth. I, okay. I don't know. They need they need to beat the Wizards tonight. One thing about our uh, one, our our hometown Wizard, the Bucks got blown out the other night and Johnny Davis is the only Wizard to not check into the game. 
if he can't play in a game like Sunday night, then I know because I watched. I wish I wouldn't have, but I did watch Sunday night's game. <laughs> if he can't get into a game like that, he's never playing in the NBA ever again. Oh, yeah, I dark. mean, yeah, it's that's, that's tough. Grant, I got a little Jimmy Buffett for you, buddy. Oh. What do you think? You like that? Evo, Evo it was so beautiful on uh, Saturday. Our Airbnb was on a lake, and it was sunny and 40, and you could sit outside in the sun. And all I wanted to do was sit there and listen to Buffett, but my group wasn't having it. They wanted to listen to somebody else. That's fine. I'm just one man. I don't want if to you would have invited me, I would have listened to Jimmy Buffett with you on the lake. Thank you, Evo. Thank Grant, you. And I think you. of you up here, Neil Diamond, as well. I appreciate mm. that. We love you, Grant. Um, can't wait to hear you tonight and, of course, the rest of the week. Much love, homie. I love you, boys. Rowdy, happy to have you back. Thanks for the time. Talk soon. See you, Grant. There he is. Hey, Bills. Let's go sports show. Thoughts and prayers go out to what happened last night. Buffalo safety, Damar Hamlin. Very scary, scary scene. Uh, it's a tough one. Tough to watch. And I don't mean to be, uh, you know, Debbie Downer when I bring this guy in, but I know Mike Clemens has seen and, and done a lot in the NFL. Mike, how are we doing today, man, after a, a tough scene last night? I'm fine. You know, I also know how good the doctors are. Yeah. And how... Uh, you know, over the years, they they take all kinds of precautions. I've watched, you know, guys get hauled off right in front of me, including Devontae Adams when Roquan Smith drilled him and, you know, one time in the helmet and other and guys that spend the night in the hospital. And then you see him back in the facility, you know, a day and a half later. Yeah. Amazing things like that. But this was a heart situation. And, you know, it could happen, as, as you probably talked about in the show today, I mean, a little leaguer could take a fastball to the chest, and the same kind of cardiac contusion mm-hmm. could happen if, in fact, that's what it is. We, you know, we have no idea. Yeah. That's that's just a guess when you look at the film of T. Higgins and the you know the collision he had with the chest area. But um, you know, people will probably be shocked. They think football is such a violent sport, and uh, you know, but they, we seem to forget about there's a lot of guys that die on the on the racetrack. There's some people who are saying. You know, there's this controversy, should they have stopped the game? Did they stop the race when Dale Earnhardt died? I don't I don't think so. I think they went back and finished it, didn't they? No, that's, yeah, crazy. Yeah, we have to look this stuff up. But what I did look up was there's only one guy in the 100-year history of the NFL that they have on the logs that actually died, and it was not a result of a hit. Um, his name was Chuck Hughes, and he was a backup receiver for the Detroit Lions. It's October of 71, the fall of 71 at Tiger Stadium in downtown Detroit, and they're playing the Chicago Bears. And WJR was broadcasting the game. There was about a minute left, and the the Bears were going to win this thing. They were up 28-23. Greg Landry was the uh, quarterback that day. He would later go on and be a quarterback coach in the NFL for many years. Dick Butkus is out there prowling around for the Bears. And you hear the announcers, when they see a man down, they think, uh, well, maybe Butkus did this. Here, here's how it sounded when a, a player died of a heart attack in the NFL. Waiting for it is Landry, and he's going back to throw. He goes to say, oh, and the throw is hands to Sanders. Right through Sanders' hands. That's a little unusual. The lion hurt down there at the 16-yard line. He just collapsed himself, and we'll have to wait and see. And sometimes that will stop the clock for an injury. And Dr. Guys comes in along with Dr. Thompson to have a look at him. I wouldn't be surprised, Van, either, that if uh, Charlie Sanders hadn't taken a pretty good knock on the previous play to that, and he might have been still a little shaken up when Landry drilled that one to him because it just went right through his hands and his reaction just a slight but trifling blow of poor Charlie. And you have to think that he probably got a good rap uh, when Butkus hit him before. I can't see who the injured player is. Huge, uh, is it Huge? Right. Chuck Hughes. He caught a big pass there a moment ago. The triplet is in there now. And they're treating Mr. Hughes pretty gingerly down there. Man, I don't like the looks of this injury down here at all. It appears that Chuck is really hurt. And we've got both trainers and both doctors are out there. They may go for the stretcher. They haven't put it out yet.
Yeah, it's crazy stuff. And, you know, uh, I, I know a lot of people, when they get online, they, you know, they puff out their chest. They want to just spew a bunch of hate and talk a lot of smack. I thought, you know, despite everything that had occurred, um, it's – and, Mike, you've done radio for a long time and, and whatnot. When uh, something happens when you're on air and it's not expected and you've got to try and fill time, I think it's called tap dancing. It's it's you know they I thought they did a very good job last night trying to um, you know p- portray a message and everything that went on in the broadcast last night as they didn't know what was happening you know yeah every, you know everyone goes from the issue which is uh, how is this kid you know and we'll obviously have to wait for some hearings and investigations and reviews and experts as to what caused this trauma but the most important thing is you know how's this twenty four year old safety from the bills doing and uh and you got people online critiquing like scott van pelt and how he's handling the situation yeah, you know it's, it's like come on man it's like, so yeah. yeah this chuck hughes young man he's 28 years old a receiver in 71 and autopsy he had hardening of the arteries wow. he, this could have happened walking on the team bus yeah wow. you know and his widow actually sued the hospital in Detroit for $21 million, they ended up selling out of court. And her case was, he was he was in for physicals. Why didn't she, weren't you able to detect this? Yeah. Of course, you know, 50 years ago, they had a lot more cruder equipment for this kind of stuff. But last night, in nine minutes, they revived they revived uh, Hamill and 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 you know stabilized him at some point to get him to the hospital and. And then now we, you know, the only other word we have is from that marketing agent who said, you know, they, they've, you know, put him to sleep. They're trying to, you know, stabilize the body so that they can start bringing things back. But uh, there'll be, uh, what's, they do have protocols in the NFL for all kinds of things, you know, security attacks and shootings and all that stuff. You know, what do we do? How do we do it? How do we handle this stuff? But when it actually happens, it's still hard to just implement yeah, the plan yeah. sometimes. Yeah, totally. So here's another illness. You know, you can have your appendix taken out, yeah. like David Bakhtiari, who wasn't sure if he just had a little tweak or a muscle. Maybe let's, maybe let's get this checked out. Oh, yeah, your appendix is about to burst. <laughs> you know, and it, that could have happened to him in 36 hours had he not gone to see a doctor uh, during the Bears game. So he has the surgery, and I asked him. I mean, he played... 56 snaps against the Vikings. He's probably got some abdominal pains doing this, and he admitted there's maybe a little tear in the scar tissue. But I asked David, um, you know, you talk to people who have their appendix or their gallbladder out or something, and the doctors say, well, you could probably go to back to your office in four or five days. Just don't lift anything. Mm-hmm. I said, what did the doctors tell you? Yeah, so I couldn't lift anything over 20 pounds for like three weeks. Um, other than that, it was a big question mark on was kind of asking around so it was a journey for everyone including myself uh definitely sucked just was really really weird but i mean i'm very fortunate that you know like really the last 10 days it just kind of like took a huge turn for the better uh very fortunate to be where i am couldn't lift over anything 20 pounds it's a good thing he's got a newborn mike because i know he's got a new kid that's probably not over 20 so that's 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 good Exactly. That's about the only thing you could lift right now is diapers, dirty yeah. diapers. <laughs> Crazy. So, Crazy you know, you asked LaFleur, how did Bakhtiari in four weeks, you know, decide to get back out there and give it a go for 56 snaps against the Vikings? And he said, when we won the game in Miami and beat the Dolphins, he said, Bakhtiari came up to me on the team plane. Well, he told me on, on the flight home, um, after the Miami game that he said, I'm playing. So I said, okay, well, we'll see. And he was able to get through the week, and I thought he played a really good game. So I thought, you know, obviously we all know the the type of edge rushers that the Vikings have, and um, I thought both our guys, really everybody up front, I thought blocked and did an outstanding job. Well, good for David Bakhtiari for telling the coach what's up so he could go have a nice game. And how about Keyshawn Nixon as well telling his coaches, I'm a Ferrari. I need to be playing too. I'm a Ferrari. Yeah, Yeah, and I posted a picture. I don't know if you saw it on my Twitter account. I'm out there at Friday practice, and, you know, he had been dealing with the groin injury the week before they went down to Miami. He was limited in practice for a couple days. And then he has a 94-yard return where he came up a little short. So then I'm thinking, like, has he got any chance of being in this Vikings game? And Friday he's got this big – 
elastic band around his knees, you know, like they use for therapy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not going anywhere. You know, I think he's not going to be able to play. But he all he did was rest Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and said, wait a minute, this sounds pretty good. And he ends up with that 94-yard, you know, kick return. So, Rev that Ferrari up and let's go. And then there's and then there's uh, the, how the secondary played. I mean, I'm looking and I'm trying to figure out why. How is this? Is this a zone or is this a man or, you know, you can see Jair shadowing Justin Jefferson. You can look at the stats and say, and it, you can see that Adam Thielen hadn't caught a ball until the third quarter. So as the Packers are beating the Vikings on Sunday night, uh, you know, you see Jair going around. Now Jair usually talks to us on Fridays. He came to us Thursday afternoon after I talked to you guys because mm-hmm. uh, he, he wanted he wanted to get this thing going. And so when people are saying, well, you know, they, but these guys scorched you week one. How, how do you know that's not going to be any different? And he said, you know, nobody was covering Jefferson. That's not going to happen again. That was a fluke. Well, that got grabbed. <laughs> I heard it on our station on CBS Sports Radio on the updates. Yeah. Every hour they're using my tape, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jair says them. it was a fluke, right? Yeah. So we asked Jair. Uh, when that got all over the world and went viral, did you get into trouble with the coaches or, or your teammates that you called the Vikings week one performance a fluke? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Who, who said something? Oh, shoot, I mean, everybody, you know. But uh, that's just the confidence I have in myself and, you know, the people around me. So, hey, it is what it is. What did you tell them about why you said it? What I tell them? Yeah. Uh, shoot, I just told them, like, just be honest, you know. That's it. So just to clarify, what were you calling a fluke from week one? From week one? Oh, yeah, just all the yards he had. That's what I was calling a fluke because, you know, he was catching passes with nobody even on him. Like, yeah, okay, good job. And then, Mike, please tell me that you got a business card of where I can get one of his big hats that he was wearing after the game on Sunday. I heard it was a gift from Elton Jenkins. I I want one for the studio so bad. Oh, yeah. You know where I think they're at? It's uh, Brian Robinson, the, the running back for the Commanders, who was shot. It's his buddy. Really? Yes. Like, you need, does that promotion? Yeah. yeah. You need one, Mike. You need one. I need one. We all need one. Uh, well, I mean, so does that mean that Elton says, uh, Jair, you're, you got a big head. We need to get you a hat that fits your big head right That's now. That's so funny. So I, go, so I go upstairs, and I ran over to Vikings, and Zaire on the bus. Not talking to anybody. Of course. Or Zadarius. Zadarius. Zedaria Smith, not talking to anybody. So, uh, I, but a, there was Justin Jefferson with a group of reporters, and he said, yeah, you know, one catch. Um, he said, I think this is way, the way it's going to be now for the rest of my career. Uh, I mean, I, I finally came to the realization that uh, I made my mark in this league, and uh, every single game they're not going to let me get over 100 yards. Uh, they're going to do whatever in their power to not let me get to, to that type of uh, numbers. Uh, it, it's definitely tough, you know, getting one catch in the in the game, uh, wanting to be, you know, a big part of the offense, wanting to uh, make big plays for us, and, uh, you know, not able to do that is definitely hard on myself. Uh, they had the safety on my side of the majority of the game, uh, played a lot of two-man. It seemed like Jair had a lot to say, but was he saying to you? Uh, a lot of nothing, really. He just really just talking, uh, and he's a—I mean, he was just being, you know, that type of player to trying to get in my head and you know do things that normal DBs do. But really, it's really just talk, just trash talk. Uh, I mean, I thought it was a taunting. Yeah, I was first of all. Uh, I, I thought that was a taunting call, but uh, I mean, it is what it is. He—he uh, he does stuff like that to, to try to get in my head and stuff like that. It is what it is. And clearly worked. One catch, 15 yards, got gritty down, and deleted his social media. Yeah, and then, um, you know, Kirk Cousins was uh, under duress and under a lot of pressure and forced to hurry up his clock and throw the ball, and Kenny Clark was making big plays and got that, you know, strip fumble and, and a sack. And, uh, and and Delvin Cook, I mean, they hold this guy to 27 yards. I mean, uh, the defense was doing so many good things on different levels, but at the same time, the offense level of the line of the Vikings, I mean, they came in without their uh, vet, their veteran uh, center, Garrett Bradbury, that he's been dealing with a back. And then so his backup goes down with a broken left ankle. The right tackle goes out, had to go to get an MRI for his calf muscle. And Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins talked about that after the game. Uh, Austin Schlotman um, did uh, indeed suffer a uh, fibula fracture. 
uh, in his uh, left ankle. We'll hopefully get some positive news coming out of the MRI, but that looks like a pretty significant injury for him, which is very unfortunate just how he stepped in and uh, been very uh, reliable for us and, and, and really helped us as an offense kind of withstand losing uh, Garrett Bradbury for a few weeks here. Yeah, we just need to get more work together in practice, um, you know, with the, with the depth um, so that when there's that sudden change, it's just go. You know, I certainly don't have a, a good good feeling about uh, a good taste in your mouth walking away from this one. Yep. Thanks. You like that? <laughs> you like that? Mike. You like that? <laughs> you like that? Good, Does Mike. You got, me with the, you got me with the cut at the end there. That was nice. I mean, you know, we're just standing there in the visitor's auditorium, and he gets walks out the podium and starts screaming. I, like, do that, I like that, Mike. I do like that. That's funny, dude. That's really <laughs> funny. Hey, Mike, We uh, real quick. Now, uh, many people, were Paul Allen included, were proclaiming that Justin Jefferson, he invented the gritty. Rowdy, who actually invented the gritty? Yeah, it's Jamar Chase's buddy, and Jamar Chase is the one that started doing it. He did it in 2018. His name's Allen Gritty Davis invented the gritty. And then uh, the research department, Mike, uh, which we have here, they passed me a little message, and they said jitterbug. that Mike Clemens invented the jitterbug? No. Is, this, is this true? No. No. Oh. No, but, but you know what? No. Oh. Google on YouTube, The Nitty Gritty by Shirley Ellis from 1963. Same damn dance. <laughs> oh. On CBS Live. You're on it, Mike. You, I mean, just, man, no, I can't no. fool you, Mike. That's good yeah. stuff right there. No, I mean, this is, everything is, you know, is recycled and repackaged <laughs> and all that. It's a, it's a 60-year-old dance. I love it. Mike, good stuff as always, man. I can't wait to talk again Thursday as we preview a big-time game on Sunday. Win and they're in. Thank you, Ebo. Thank you, Rowdy. Take care, man. Mike Clemens on Twitter. Mike Clemens NFL. Good stuff.